Welcome to Banyan Books, Branches of Wisdom. Celebrating the joy of bright ideas and heartful lifelong learning. Branches of Wisdom is a series of intimate conversations with the world's most influential authors and visionaries. We explore spirituality and the human mind, ecology and culture. Most episodes are recorded with a live audience. You can join our live events and submit questions to your favorite guests. Check out our upcoming schedule at Banyan.com. Since 1970, Banyan Books has been a rich oasis at the crossroads of wisdom and philosophy, offering resources for humanity's evolving paths. We're a locally owned, independent bookstore in the heart of Vancouver's Kitsilano neighborhood. Visit us in person or shop online at Banyan.com. Please subscribe follow, like, and leave your reviews for the podcast. And now, enjoy. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Branches of Wisdom. I'm your host, Ross McKeechee, and I'm really delighted with our special guest this evening, Geshe Tenzin Wangyal Rinpoche. Geshe Tenzin Wangyal Rinpoche is a respected and beloved teacher and meditation master in the Bon Buddhist tradition of Tibet. He is the founder and director of Ligmincha International, an organization dedicated to the study and practice of the teachings of the Bon tradition. Trained as a Bon monk, Rinpoche now lives as a householder allowing him to more fully relate to the needs and concerns of his students. Known for the depth of his wisdom and his unshakable commitment to helping students recognize their true nature, he is the author of many books and online courses. With students in more than 25 countries, Rinpoche resides in the U.S. and teaches around the world. He's also a leader in using technology to teach Dharma. He offers free live webcasts and a variety of online courses. Hundreds of hours of previously recorded teachings can be found on Ligmincha's YouTube channel and on Ocean of Wisdom. This evening, Geshe Tenzin Wangyal Rinpoche is with Banyan Books in conversation about his now classic book, The Tibetan Yogas of Dream and Sleep, which was originally published in 1998. The second edition of the book was published in 2022 and incorporates teachings given through online retreats to participants in several countries during the pandemic in 2020 and 2021. It is said that the practice of dream yoga deepens our awareness during all our experience. The dreams of the night, the dreamlike experience of the day, and the bardo experiences after death. Indeed, the practice of dream yoga is a powerful tool of awakening used for hundreds of years by the great masters of the Tibetan traditions. Unlike in the Western psychological approach to dreams, the ultimate goal of Tibetan dream yoga is the recognition of the nature of mind or enlightenment itself. If we cannot carry our practice into sleep, Tenzin Wangyal Rinpoche states, if we lose ourselves every night, what chance do we have to be aware when death comes? Look to your experience in dreams to know how you will fare in death. 
look to your experience of sleep to discover whether or not you are truly awake. If you'd like to learn more about our special guest and Ligmincha International, please visit ligmincha.org. Ladies and gentlemen, please join me in a, a warm and gracious welcome for Geshe Tenzin Wangel Rinpoche. Welcome, Rinpoche. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Ross. Thank you. Wonderful. Happy to be here this evening with uh, all our audience and with you. Now, I'm wondering, just, just to start out with, I think um, you, you, you come from a, a Bon Buddhist tradition, from both the Bon and the Buddhist traditions. And I'm, I think it's safe to say most of our audience would have a, a basic understanding of the Buddhist tradition, but maybe some uh, wouldn't know what the Bon tradition is. Could you just give us a little bit of an explanation on that? Sure. So, so the Bon tradition is the indigenous uh, religious spiritual tradition of Tibet. And uh, all the, the main characteristic of Tibetan civilization, even all the Tibetan Buddhism has so much influences from this indigenous tradition of, of, of Tibet. And uh, as throughout the history, as many traditions get, you know, get mixed uh, or influenced by each other and um, whatever the important part of one tradition kind of adapt it into other tradition, the other important part of the other tradition get into, you know, get very much enriched by each other. And so I think uh, the Bern and Buddhism they, as, as a principle, very, very similar, but as a tradition, Bern tradition is much, much older, the oldest tradition of Tibet. Thank you. So this book, The Tibetan Yogas of, of Dream and Sleep, um, you mentioned that around one third of our lives are spent sleeping and dreaming. That's a huge amount of time. Can you outline for us what is the possibility for growth and development as well as awakening in both the dream and the sleep state? Yeah, I think a uh, possibility is absolutely there. You know, I think uh, from throughout the centuries in many different cultural traditions, either it's like Aborigines and in Indian tradition, Tibetan tradition, many yogi traditions, or even in psychology, Jung, Freudian, people are working with the different, different ways, working with the different uh, dreams not so much particularly on sleep, but the dreams are really trying to discover uh, one's subconscious, one's deeper wounds, and find a way to process them, trying to ways to find a healing in them. And so it's, it's a rich tradition, you know, many, many traditions. So the Tibetan tradition is clearly one of the very important tradition in the knowledge of the dream and sleep, because it does not only addresses the question about you know like processing one's own psychological emotional thing but it also believes that there is a opportunity to enhance one's the higher awareness and ultimately lead into liberation and enlightenment thank you early early in the book you you, you explain uh the nature of dream and how our experience is shaped both in waking and dream states. Uh, you talk about karmic traces in the mind and the movement of prana. I'm wondering if you can explain for our audience 
um, how these phenomena shape our waking and dream experience? Sure. So first of all, every single dream that we have, ordinary people we have, it's all, we, we caused them, we made them. Because there's no dreams, no such dream that is, which is not caused by you. That means your thoughts, your, let's say this way, your identity, that you, whatever you identify with, whatever that identif identification produces kind of perceptions, thoughts, emotions, stories, and then pain, wounds, all these, what is traces, these traces are in us. So when, when they are in us, when we are not free from them, they have to come out somewhere. They have, they will come out during the waking state. You know, I'm walking down the street, suddenly I'm nervous, I'm afraid, I'm reacting differently. You know, like some, some things are waking up in me or I go to sleep and I have a dream where I dream something of my childhood house that I grew up in, some events happened there and, and the, these dreams are again and again re reoccurring them basically means I have not managed to, I'm not free from those thoughts, those feelings, those emotions, those stories, and I have not processed them properly enough that I'm free from them. So they keep on coming back. So every, so the, basically in the Buddhism, in some sense, our purpose of our life, or even in every night when we go to sleep, we have an opportunity to, to discover ourselves and our conditions of, uh, better. So every night we have that opportunity to, to, to know our past, to know our, what we are suppressing and uh, to know uh, our wounds and how then through the lucidity, through the lucid dream, through the awareness of the dream, we have opportunity to rewrite story, rename the story, delete the story, be free from the story. All these possibilities are there every single night. So a dream yoga practice is very much how to work with your dream and sleep in your dream and sleep, but also when you awaken afterward. Uh, I'd like to share a quote if I can, which, which leads into a question. So the quote from the book says, ultimately, we, we wish to stabilize the mind and the prana in the central channel, rather than allowing the mind to be drawn to a particular chakra. The central channel is the energetic basis of experience, experiences of Rigpa. The practices of dream yoga are meant to bring mind and prana into the central channel. I'm wondering if you can illuminate more this this very kind of foundational teaching for us and you know how these different experiences occur in the different chakras and how we're trying to draw our energy into the central channel. Sure. So let's think about a, like a, an awakened state, right? Let's say a good day. Good day means your mind is clear, your mind is aware, connected, grounded. Your mind is energized, active, engaging. That's a good day, right? So the bad day is when you, you're not clear, cloudy, and you are feeling down, you are feeling weak, you are feeling negative, 
you are responding situations with a negativity, then you create a lot of story with other negative people. So that is the bad day. Same, same thing happens every single night when you go to sleep. There's a kind of two, two way to go. So how, how does that happen is if you have a good day, that means you have a, I don't know, like a very quiet, uh, restful, positive, loving, healing, um, joyful day. So as you go, take that energy of the day into the night. So maybe you feel so much love and loved by other people. And then in the, as you're trying to go to your bed, trying to prepare your go to bed to sleep, your energy, your attention goes directly more to the heart, for example. So that means prana and the mind, it's not scattered, but it is more going toward the heart because so much has been felt in the heart through the day. And not only so much has felt in the heart, but so much good things have been felt. Love is pending. You felt love. You, you're feeling loving towards somebody. And there was so much warmth. You feel that. That energy is naturally, automatically, almost, uh, you know, you don't do anything. It just goes there. And, and then you go to sleep. When you go to sleep, you have awakened up something in your heart. That prana, the energy, that awareness, that experience of the day, they, they open your heart. They open that energy of the love, that thought and emotion of the love. Then the dream comes. Then you have a maybe beautiful dream of, you know, very much underlying emotion is love, for example. But unfortunately, it's not always, always like that. So whenever, when it's not like that, in, you know, in our tradition, we believe that these different energy centers or these chakras, and these different chakras in our body, they are associated to different emotions. And in a, normally people would say, or oh, when you think about love, oh, I love you. They don't, they don't say, I love you. They don't touch their head, right? Or they don't touch, I love you on your throat. They say, I love your heart. Yes. The only, only, only chakra that collectively in the West people know is the heart chakra. They say, I love you. But the rest of the chakra is not discussed, not understood well, and not even total, total in some sense, and ordinary people are ignorant about it. So what happens every single night? Attention and the energy, the wind or the prana goes in a specific chakra depends on whatever emotion stories has been triggered throughout the day. So when they, for example, if you, you, you're, you have maybe sexual thoughts or desires or something like that, and then in the night, kind of naturally, then you go attraction to the secret chakra, to the root chakra, you know, immediately. It's activated that energy there, and that triggers kind of dreams related to sexuality, for example. So we, we talk about four or six different energy centers where our mind goes a specific chakra, it triggers that specific emotion and it creates a specific kind of dreams. Is it awakening up that karmic traces, the energy there? But choices that people have is since you know that before you go to sleep, then we call preparation to go to sleep. 
even though the mind has a tendency, I have a, I have a very, um, I say, a difficult uh, conversation with someone and have a little argument fight with someone. I feel my throat chakra is kind of messed up. And, uh, and as I'm going to bed, I can see my energy is kind of growing, going toward my throat chakra. And it will create a demigod, demigod dreams, like a war dreams, fighting dreams, ego dreams. And I, I'm aware of that. So as I'm going there, I can do some exercises to clear that energy in my throat. Uh, imagination practices with imagination. I'm trying to clear that though. The psychological practices, trying to remembering those conversation, trying to bring into a conscious process, then trying to say goodbye, clear that before I go to sleep. There are things we can do so that we don't have to be victimized by our experience of the day. We have a power to guide ourselves into the more into the central channel. This is you making me think about you. You highlight the importance as you were just touching on of preparing well for sleep. Um, in this modern culture, I think sleep deprivation and poor quality of sleep is a huge issue for many, many people. Do you have any basic recommendations that you like to give uh, um, a lay student uh, for how to prepare well for sleep, how to improve quality of sleep just in the beginning? Yes. So I think the, one of the number one important thing for people to try to be a little bit more sensitive about in their body, you know, what are you feeling in your body? When our mind is going very emotional, we are angry, we are upset, we are disappointed. We are more aware of that. But then we have a conversation. We said, it's okay, don't worry about it. You heard me, but it's fine. I'm okay with that. And you have a little conversation, then you feel it's okay. But the truth is you're not okay. This energy is vibrating in your body constantly. You're thinking, you're like that. And uh, and then you, when you go trying to go to sleep, you're in your body is tired, but you the in some sense is tired. On the other hand, energetically it's like vibrating, like shaking like this, right? And you're trying to go to sleep. You, you don't fall asleep. You have to address that energy. You have to address that subtle energy, subtle vibration of these emotions are still vibrating, still presence in your body. Even some sometimes even pain in your chest or your back hurting because of those kind of heavy, heavy conversation of the day. So what I do is people recommend the breathing. It's very, very simple breathing. And it's a, basically, you can say a deep and slow breathing. So deep and slow breathing is so you can breathe in like a three to four, five seconds in depends on uh, your normally how well you breathe. So basically breathing deep, then usually you breathe, maybe twice more than you breathe. So go, you're going. And then you breathe out. Slow, deep, from your heart or your, from your belly, do you breathe out. And end of that exhalation, while in the process of exhaling, you can also feel when you're breathing out, it's like a balloon, like shrinking down. Your body is, this energy is clearing the winds out of your body from your chest, from your back, from lower back, 
from your belly is from your heart is clearing it so the breath is taking away these negative energies like a cleaning a bottle you put a fresh bottle water shake it throw it away another fresh water shake it throw away you do five six times bottle is clean so so you're doing that in your body until your body is like body is actually feeling fully rested so so usually when we think when we lie down we think body is resting body is not resting because body is holding on things through the breathing you keep doing that at least like a five ten times without interruption you go to sleep but if you interrupt it you do one two times interrupt it you do three times interrupt it that this interruption keeps you still keep awake so it's like it challenges maybe at least 10 times you're breathing just each exhalation you're resting deep into your body in your body and you go to sleep and you feel the differences you know you feel deep sense of sleep better quality of sleep then good chance that mind is more clear to have a different kind of dreams I'm wondering if you can outline for us in part two, you talk about the kinds and uses of dreams. Can you outline for our audience the, the basic distinction between the three different kinds of dreams? Yeah, so yeah, usually we sometimes we say three different kinds of dreams, sometimes three different kinds of sleep. So so you can think about uh, clear light sleep so when you're sleeping you you have the highest level level of yogis they would have like a a clear light uh, sleep that means they are experiencing deepest uh, state of sleep in which they're experiencing their own inner luminosity inner awareness the light they're experiencing like people say near-death experiences most people go through these experiences what they call the light you know they're, they're seeing the light or moving through the light or flowing in the light so that experiences it happens to everybody because you are living going beyond the conditions of the body you know body's body is no longer obscuring it in, in interfering it then your mind has opportunity to ex experience this clear light so that that is also possible for people who uh, uh, achieve some level of higher level of sleep yoga practice they can have that experience the one the higher one then you can have a dream kind of clear light dream that uh, much less influenced by your own negativity ignorance anger attachment jealousy negative emotions basically destructive and negative emotions rather it's your more sense of uh awareness connection to your awareness your positive your spiritual qualities so you are able to um encounter the enlightened beings you're able to encounter the the masters of the past you're able to encounter the angels you're able to encounter the spirits of the trees and the mountain you're not only able to encounter them you're able to have some kind of interaction and communication you're able to ask for the knowledge and they come in and give you teachings 
then it's not only like randomly happens, but you have kind of almost like a Zoom Zoom schedule, you know. Okay, <laughs> once a week, and uh, you're getting some information out in a specific, you know. It's there are stories like masters who got many uh, experiences like that. So, uh, and also like uh, people who have uh, in Tibetan tradition, we call like a dream divination. That sometimes some people are known, some ordinary people are known to have a very uh, intuitive dreams that people really trust their predictions. So they would say something like, oh, you know, can you see my how my next five years my life is? And then they, somebody goes in a, go to deep sleep with carrying with some of your personal belongings, could be your T-shirt, putting under their pillow and they go to sleep and with the prayers and trying to get the information about you. So you saying, okay, I have this, this dream. So according to my dream, according to my understanding of my dream about you, will means you have to do this. You don't have should, should be more careful about that. You know, all kind of almost like guidance of, you know, some advices, people do that. And, and sometimes people would say something like, okay, can you see where my, uh, uh, parents who have passed away, deceased parents, how they are doing. So then they will, they go to a dream, they meet their parents and get information. And that they bring some kind of information saying, I, I saw them and they, they, this is the message to you. Of course, you know, you can say, I don't believe in it, but right. So, but in tradition, there are dream is a, a way, ways in which you can encounter that your ordinary life you cannot encounter. You can have communications, kind of communication in ordinary life, you cannot have a communications, right? In our head, sometimes we communicate, we say, oh, I, I'll, when you have a conflict, you say, I will say this and somebody will say that. And uh, you know, you can have all this conversation, emotional, destructive conversation with someone, but it's not real. You know, this is real for us, journeying into dream with their prayers, they're saying, I'm going to go to sleep without carrying my own karmic traces. Clean me, purify me, make my consciousness naked without my karmic traces. Let me see life of this other person. Let me encounter the spirit of the other world. And let me communicate with them, get a knowledge. These kind of all the possibilities I very much believed in exercise. And then there is the normal dream state that most of us are in uh, who haven't practiced dream yoga, which would be what you call the samsaric dreams. Is that right? Absolutely. By the way, you are one of the best interviewer, well prepared. <laughs> Thank you, Rinpoche. That's very kind of you. I, as I said uh, to you before we went live, I'm very interested in this subject matter as well. So that definitely helps. Yes, wonderful. Yes, so the last one is, it's very much like that. You know, if, if most of the most of the time, actually, it's like that, what we call samsaric dream. Samsara, the word, Sanskrit word samsara. Um, it's not a perfume. <laughs> Just to make sure that I'm people trying to relate some samsara with perfume and nirvana with the chocolate. That's not the case. <laughs> so samsara is a definition of samsaric being, the one who possess 
pain as a result of grasping. That's the definition of samsara. We all grasp on things. As a result of grasping, we feel pain. We create a story. So most of our dreams are as a result of grasping on something. Stories that we, you know, you look at any contents of your dream, it is a story that you are, um, you are feeling denied, unloved, abandoned, um, not supported, not valued, and uh, getting late, and uh, always getting late. You know, there was one time somebody shared with me this priest. He said he always dreams of being in a church and he has to do the service and never able to do it on time <laughs> and reoccurring whole life like that. You know, so sometimes somebody will say, I'm in my recurrent dream. I would have a dream. I'm trying to clean my old house or my parents' house where I grew up. I'm cleaning it. I'm never able to finish the cleaning. So these kind of dreams all are very samsari, very karmic traces, um, based on karmic traces. One of the things that, uh, as you as you mentioned, in the West, we're very focused on on in the psychological analysis of dreams. Um, but in in your tradition as well, there's a lot of of different ways to use dreams for for divination. Like you mentioned, these dreams of clarity. So for divination, for guidance, for getting teachings. I'd like to share a quote which leads to a question. Um, you wrote this about deciphering dream messages. If we make the mistake of believing samsaric dreams are offering us reliable guidance, then changing our lives daily while trying to follow the dictates of dreams can become a full-time job. It is also a way to become stuck in personal drama, believing all our dreams are messages from a higher, more spiritual source. It is not like that. We should pay close attention to dreams and develop some understanding of, uh, of which have import and which are only manifestations of emotions, desires, fears, hopes, and fantasies. So I'm just wondering if you can illuminate for us how we can really skillfully decipher our dreams to understand what kind of dreams they are and how we should engage with their meaning. Sure. Well, I guess in a generally in our life, um, you know, everything like... Uh, what whatever you make a meaning out of it, it, it it's up to you right you you would say something oh this is very important for you then it's important for you and you say this is not important for me and it's not important for you you can say i'm free from this and you are free from that you say i'm stuck in this you are stuck in this it's you you are the one you in a sense of small self small self you are whatever you are identifying with is basically in the end it make up making decisions what is true what is not true what is important and what is not important we make the decision but of course it has something to do with identity who make the meaning out of them because if, if you say something to me it might not make me angry at all but even sometimes maybe you say something good to me in my culture it means something wrong i can get mad so it's not what you say is how i interpret that based on my weakness, based on my strength, based on my culture, upbringing, understanding language, many things. So interpretations, how I interpret everything what's happening in my life. So the dream is very much like that. So 
um, I guess so when we have a lot of these different kind of dreams, you know, one time um, somebody told me uh, very proudly, somebody said, oh, I, I'm, I'm a Jungian and I'm analyzing my dreams. I have been working on my one of my dreams for 15 years with the very voice of proud. You know? <laughs> so for me was if you're analyzing one dream for 15 years, then you it's very little chance to able to finish analyzing all the other dreams because so many <laughs> dreams we have. So I think it's a little bit like that. So we, in tradition for us, we there's two messages, simultaneously two kind of messages. Yes, life, you make best out of your life. You're trying to grow. You're trying to process things. You're trying to be free and you, yeah. We advise that. But on the other hand, we say everything is a projection of your life. So then you can say, argue about it and say, well, if everything is projection, then what do I have to grow from what to what? Well, that's the good question for the one who wanted to grow. Or that's the good question for one who is feeling stuck. In principle, there is no stuck and there is no grow. It's always a question of realization of self. That all what matters. But for us, it's gradual. I'm, I have to recognize who I am not before I can recognize who I am. And who I am not, I have thousands of them that I've been identifying with last five lifetimes that I have to work with the thousand, all these thousand who I am not before I can finally recognize only one thing that who I am not. I'm not any of them. But every thousand of me has a story that it requires some time to communicate. So the word dream work is very much like that. So I think for us, we we don't really say one thing. You know, we say one time there was an interview with His Holiness Dalai Lama, and uh, and uh, he and the guy asked about the dream, and and the His Holiness said, "Dream is dream, no meaning." And the guy was a little bit like oh surprised and shocked, saying, "You know, how how is possible? There's no meaning in a dream." So for us, it's one way to look at it, dream is a projection. Life is a projection. Everything you experience is a projection. But on the other hand, dream has a meaning. The dreams that meanings that you make out of them, the dream, meanings that which is affecting you, meanings that you have projected on it, you have to re rename them. You know, I mean, if you look at you know file, computer file, you already can see how many different files you have, and see how much what kind of names you names you put. You can say fun. You can say holiday. You can say work. You can say, I don't know, um, personal. You can say secret. So these are the files, how we, how we label files in ourselves. So if you go deep into our unconscious, we have all these files. The more secret, more suppressed they are, we have more work to do. Ultimately, the goal, as I understand it, is to create awareness in the dreams where there's no identification, <clears throat> excuse me, with the content as, as in waking life. Uh, these use the term lucid or lucid dreaming. Can you just help us understand the meaning of what a, what lucidity is, what a lucid dream is? Sure. So generally, the way we understand about it is we say lucid dream means you are aware of your dream as a dream while you're dreaming. 
So you are aware of your dream as a dream while you're dreaming. So I'm dreaming something. I I feel, feel like I'm in a jungle. Then I feel there's a little bit afraid. I'm walking through this alley and then I suddenly I see this lion appears and I'm freaking out, right? So that's my dream. So that very moment, because of so, so strong reaction of my emotion, I, maybe I have trained myself. Whenever you react so strong, recognize this is your dream. I've trained myself. Whenever you react, emotional react to something very strong, be, bring your awareness there. Recognize there's nothing there. It's only your mind. I've trained myself there. So when a lion comes, I'm, first thing, I'm strongly emotionally responding it. Then second thing, I, this triggers me. I realize this is a dream. Then I'm looking at the line. Immediately, I'm looking at the line again. I'm saying, you're just my dream. You cannot, you have no power. You, I have created you. You are my dream. And I want you to appear better than this fearful looking. I want you to be loving goddess. Then instantly, you transform this threatening line into loving goddess. You can do that. If you can create a... Uh, life-threatening lion, you can create a life-saving goddess, angel, right? So, but to ability, train oneself to do that is basically what it's saying, you don't have to live always with your emotional reaction and the negative responses. You, you can be aware and you can change. You have a, always, you have a choice. Always you have a choice. In, in dream, you have a choice when you are lucid. In a, in a waking state, you have a choice when you are aware. When you are aware, I am feeling pain. When you are aware, I'm feeling angry, but I am not anger. I don't have to only do what anger is telling me to do because I am not my anger. I am more than that. I have a choice. When you feel a little bit like that, it shifts whole dynamic. The anger, anger kind of softens out and awareness comes up and awareness is just, why don't you, why don't you, even you're feeling angry, why don't you just start trying to be open and say something positive? And you're able to do that. Also say something humorous. I just want to remind our live audience that we're going to be taking a few of your questions before we come to a close. So please go ahead and type those in the chat and we'll get to as many as we can in the next few minutes. Now, you mentioned that we can, if we can create this fearful line in our dream, we can create a protective angel as well, which made me think of this Dakini, Selje Do Drelma. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right. Can you tell us a little bit about this Dakini and what is the significance of connecting with her in our in our sleep yoga practice? So first of all, in a dream and sleep yoga, both are in our tradition connected with the goddesses rather than the god. So there are two different goddesses. One dream yoga goddess, we say Jumachemo, illusory goddess. So that illusory goddess means you can you can see anything, change anything, make anything happen. So that this lucidity and you have this kind of uh, choices and powers to to do things so so the jumachemo uh, and then the salje dodalma is the sleep goddess salje dodalma basically means the one which is uh, uh, clear and luminous uh, salje dodalma so so 
sleep is kind of without contents, right? So you're just sleeping before the dream arises. So when the mind is clear, before the thought arises, before emotion arises, mind is there, right? So mind is clear, luminous presence, then thought arises, then emotion arises, then story arises, conflict arises, pain arises, sickness arises, destruction arises. You know, these, there's a developmental from anywhere from just space to destructive energy. And so, so in a, the goddess is for in our tradition is very important because we, it's like a mother, you know, uh, when we are growing up as a child, we have a, a, you know, a mother telling stories, reading stories, uh, and mom or parents, one of the parents being there with you, putting you, put, putting on you a blanket, being present there, giving you a kiss, saying good night, making you feel good, safe, so that you guides you into the sleep, right? So as we grow up. We don't have, we feel like so much, like uh, throughout the day, we feel uh, so much stress, uh, demanding from the workplace and uh, expectation from the family, uh, too much work. We get exhausted physically, emotionally, energetically. And when you go to sleep and no one is there to read your story or guide you in a beautiful sleep. So we don't have that. So in our tradition is, I think these goddesses are, for replacing our mother, uh, telling story, protecting you, guiding you into the dream, guiding you into the sleep. So we believe that they can be present before you go to sleep, while you're sleeping, and up when you're in sleep, they, they can their energy can be present there. In your dream, their energy can be present there and they can guide you. They can help you, you know, uh, have a lucid dream, for example. Yeah. We have some uh, some nice questions here from our live audience. Uh, if, if it's okay with you, we get to a few of those. Please. Okay, the first one is from Melanie, who says, do you have any suggestions for a beginner's level dream practice to help heal from grief and loss? Yeah, so first, I think maybe it's a good question to you. It will be, do you dream? Do you, do, do you have... Uh, dreams that which is related to the losses grief um the, so that it will be the question if you do have a, that then that will be a good way to a uh, good good way to a uh, good place to work so for example if you have a dream that which is uh, takes you back to that place that story that pain that emotion you you're trying to bring that conscious during the awakened state so basically you're trying to tell yourself okay yesterday night i have this dream and i felt in that place i felt that i lost of something someone and uh, and i felt i felt deep sadness you kind of re rewinding these experiences as if you're dreaming feeling them uh, seeing these images seeing experience these energy stories and then you you say this is you know as, as you can feel it then you can say i i let it go i'm allowing it to leave i'm allowing 
I'm breathing out. So you can do the same breathing that I, I explained. Take a deep breathing uh, and in your heart and then take out these emotions, this energy from your heart out as exhaling it and end of exhalation, trying to find deep sense of clearing in your body, particularly in your heart and feeling that space and resting there, connecting with that space, repeating that again and again. If you do that, and then what you do, what you will do is you are clearing this energy, this prana, this winds, these karmic traces. You are clearing these images. You are clearing these stories. You are clearing these emotions. You are actually able to clear during the waking, waking state by exercising like that. To the point, if you repeat this, maybe a few days and maybe a few weeks, you might then you will change. You'll see the change of these dreams. You might dream similar place. You might not have that. That emotion is not there anymore. You feel losses, but you are having kind of having playing with it. You're laughing. So you can change. The emotions are no longer there in those stories. Sometimes. You know, when we sleep, when we when we're trying to take a power nap, we're not afraid. We, but when we say we are dying, we are afraid. We label different things to power nap. Power nap, death, is a totally two different names. So you, it's who names them. It's we name them, and as we name them, it affects us. But if we don't name them, if we are free from these names, dying is nothing more than taking a nap. There's another question here from Barry. This is an interesting question. Barry says, is the waking life the same as a dream? If you fly or walk through walls in waking life, the way we might in a dream? So he's asking, can we walk? I think he's asking, can we walk through walls in waking life as we might in a dream? Well, you can try that and see. <laughs> Maybe easier to easier way to find out can you do that or not instead of asking me <laughs> just just go through the wall and just be careful bumping your head um yes and in principle in the buddhism in principle yes uh, you can walk through through the wall you can uh, there's a story about you know getting milk out of the cow picture of cow on the wall you know, so that everything is created by mind. It's, everything is possible. But for us, it's not possible. Because we have a history. We have a culture. We have a stories. We have a meanings. And we are stuck in these meanings. And these meanings will not allow us to do that. It's the same thing like as I was saying, the death and the net. We, we, we can happily go and just say, I'm going to take a power nap. I'm happy looking forward to taking my power nap. We can do that. But I, I, we cannot say, I'm happily, this is my last day. I will die joyfully. There are people who can do that. But most of the people will not do that. Not able to do that. But they will be able to do that with power nap because we make the meanings. 
So the walls, we have a story there, too much story there. That's why our identity will not allow us to do. For example, you know, like they say, like a multiple personality, uh, identity disorders, for example, somebody who would have a, take a, a specific medicine and it helps or have a allergic to orange and then the other personality manifest, that medicine is not effect anymore. It does, it's not helping. And you can eat as much as orange you want. You have no allergic. In the same body, two different identities, psychological state, mind identity, effects. If benefit of medicine, no benefit of medicine. Allergic to the orange, no allergic to the orange. Body doesn't matter. Identity changes the body. So, so that's the reality. There's another question here from Dan who says, Rinpoche La, what kinds of foods or herbs can we use to accentuate our dream recall and what ones to avoid? Well, I will probably say not specifically what kind of food, but I will say less food or no food, no dinner or less dinner, heavier, not heavy. You know, at least they said before you know, not eat, uh, uh, at least give a three hours of time before you go to sleep. So I personally, when I'm fasting, I have the greatest, greatest sleep, greatest dreams when I'm fasting, not when I'm eating specific things. So, so generally in order to sleep, you know, sometime uh, some cultures where when people are physically very weak, they say it's good to uh, it, again, it's, there's no one single food good for everybody. So I think that it's a, when in the West, sometimes there is always saying you, this is a, so much nutrition. Everybody should eat this. Everybody should eat this much. In Tibetan medicine, they say there's no one single food you can say it's good unless it's a water. And, you know, you can, water can be good always. But no, because it's always dependent on constitution of individuals. Some people have more fire. Some people have more earth. Some people have more wind and particularly when we wind people having a little more heavier food too much earth people eat you know too much heavy people eating a little lighter so so i would more say really eat less i think more that will more helpful or all not eat in the evening i think we have time for one more question and there's one here from agni that says Thank you for this session. Do you see clear light dreams every night? Is it possible to plan it? So first of all, I think this question about, is a question to me. Yes. Yeah. So sometimes I think, they, I mean, you can ask, of course, you can, we, we say you can ask question, you can ask whatever, but being interested in other people's experiences I think it's less important than being more aware of your own. So uh, try to see if whatever we are saying here and uh, and it's uh, trying to see what you learn and what you can do to increase, to expand knowledge and everything. And my simple answer, since you have asked, even though, you know, questions I think always are good to ask your own experiences than somebody else. 
But answer, simple answer is not every day I have that experience. Not, not even not every day, not that frequent. I do have experiences every now and then, but it's a lifetime's work. That that brings me to a question that I wanted to ask you. Do you have any any um, inspirational words or insights to offer us for uh, those times when we're getting frustrated with our practice or things that might help us stay with the practice and appreciate that, like you said, it is a lifetime's work? I think um, just to know that one third of our lifetime we sleep. So 25 years we sleep, 30 years we sleep. It's so much time and not knowing what's happening during these 25, 30 years is such a waste. So seeing that every single night I have an opportunity to enter into a temple a sacred space, a per personal space, and journey into my story and discovering my wounds, healing my pain, and uh, clearing conflicts, growing through this uh, through through these weaknesses. There's so much possibility that I have every single night. So doing something about it, not taking just forgetting about it you know um, so every night every night just look forward to that special deep spiritual journey and that is i think my advice then of course you know if you are interested uh, you know the book is definitely uh it's not a book that you read uh during your vacation on the beach this book is to read lifetime keep and near your pillow, read every day and every little piece and not think that you can do everything and you can do perfect. No, forget about doing everything and doing everything perfect. Do whatever you think you can do, you feel you can do, do little things at step by step, but know that you have a lifetime to learn and practice and go deeper. Ladies and gentlemen, we've had the honor and privilege this evening of speaking with Geshe Tenzin Wangyal Rinpoche about his book, The Tibetan Yogas of Dream and Sleep. The new second edition has just come out and it's got uh, some additional materials from his talks over the two years during the lockdowns and the pandemic when he was giving online teachings. Um, Rinpoche, many, many thanks for you uh, joining us this evening and sharing your time and, and your insight with us. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Very honored to be here. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for Branches of Wisdom. Our producer is Jacob Steele. The show is edited by Abdo Habani. And I'm your host, Ross McKeechee. Watch all our conversations on YouTube by searching for Banyan Books or listen on your favorite podcast platform. Please subscribe, follow, like, and leave your reviews and comments. We love to hear from you. For all our live events, books, and more, visit us at banyan.com. <laughs>